2: We need the grace of Jesus every morning of our lives, every day, every second. The ministry of the church today is to use that authority to serve in the humility of Jesus. That's how we are to serve. The ministry of the church today, the power that we have today is rooted in the humility of of Jesus and how do we know that we know that because Jesus uh, was baptized you know did you know that Jesus to inaugurate his ministry he had to be baptized now of course he did not have the same problem as all of us have I want to make that clear and yet he submitted himself to bat- towards baptism in order to demonstrate that humility that's all it was we know, we know that because when Jesus was coming to the Jordan River, when John the Baptist were baptizing people, John the Baptist himself said to Jesus, why are you why am I going to b- baptizing you? You're supposed to baptize me. So John understood that Jesus was the Lamb of God who will take away the sin of the world. He understood that. So he was a little bit confused when Jesus asked him uh, to baptize him. Of course, Jesus was not, was not baptized the same for the same reasons as as we are baptized today. We're tainted with sin. We're sinners. We have to repent. We have to die to our sins. And be to rise again into the newness of life. Symbolized by baptism. Jesus had none of that going for him. He was sinless. He had no issues. And yet he bowed down and demonstrated the humility it takes. In order for all of us to understand that it takes humility to be able to serve. That's the central purpose of baptism of Jesus, to inaugurate his ministry, ministry to serve and not to be served through the act of humble submission. Jesus was exalted not because of the great miracles he performed, and he performed many great miracles, He was exalted not because of the wisdom that he demonstrated, the great teaching that he proclaimed. All of that were wonderful. He was exalted because he humbled himself to bail all of us out. And Jesus, before he went up to heaven, gave us the great commission in Matthew 28. Jesus came to them and said, All authority... In heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That authority has now been passed down to us. And that authority, that power, that glory was achieved by Jesus. Not so much because of his great power. But because of his great humility. We need to emulate the same thing. We need to serve that way. The reason why so many people do not buy into our rhetoric is because it sounded like we, we, we wanted people to be destroyed because they're living in sin. Listen, I know uh, when I preach, I, I, I don't whitewash anything. I, I don't have time for that. I used to be 37, now I'm 38, meaning I'm getting old, right? I don't have time to waste people's time. When the Bible says something is wrong, it's wrong. When the Bible says something is right, it's right. We could do no less than to proclaim it, but we proclaim it with humility because we understand that any given second, we can fall. We can fall. The Christian walk is a daily walk. Jesus says, you want to follow me? Pick up your cross daily, follow me. Paul says the same thing. We die daily because it takes humility to walk in that newness of life. The primary focus of our sacred service is to proclaim the gospel to people without compromise, but with great humility. Yes, people will get mad. No matter what we do. Amen? No matter what we do. When the, when the Bible says such and such a lifestyle is wrong and it's a sin, people will get mad. Let them get mad. Let them walk out. I've seen people walk out because they, they couldn't accept what Scripture is teaching. But as long as we do it because we want them into the kingdom of God and not outside, we're doing the right thing. You have friends and family. We need to be humble and reach out to them. We reach out to them by telling them the truth. This is what Jesus commanded us to do. It's part of our commission. We do it humbly, not because we hate you, but because we want you inside the kingdom of God. When you enter the kingdom of God, Jesus is king. He gets to rule. We don't get to rule. It takes humility to bow down to the king. Amen? And that's what we're called to do. There's a second distinctive that makes servanthood sacred. And that is servanthood number two is acquired through holiness. Acquired through holiness. Jesus says, the Gentiles uh, who rule over you, lord it over you. But not so with you. That little phrase, your servant means that your servanthood and my servanthood is a sanctified Separate kind of servanthood. When Jesus says, "This is what the world is doing, but this is not you. This is you." He's talking about holiness. Now, holiness is a misunderstood word. People are pr- afraid of holiness because they feel that when they hear the word holy, uh, that they're, they're, they're somehow you're talking about sinless perfection. When the Bible talks about holiness. It's not talking about you and I being holy, meaning being we're perfect, right? It's simply speaking of being separate, pursuing the right thing, being pure, the pursuit of purity. That's what holiness is, being separated. Jesus says, you are not that way. You're not part of the world. You are to walk this way. In other words, you are to be holy. In John chapter 12, verse 26, Jesus said these words, Whoever serves me must follow me and when I am and where I am my servant also will be my father will honor the one who serves me must follow is a commandment amen it's a commandment to be holy to be exclusive you have only one king it's not elvis It's not Michael Jackson. It's not whoever you emulate. We have one Messiah. Messiah, Lord, Christ, they all mean the same thing. It means king. We have one king. Servanthood is an act that only holy people can perform. Christian servanthood is not about doing good for goodness sakes. It is always done for the sake of Christ. Christ. Unholy serving is a form of idolatry. That might shock some of you. But it's a form of idolatry. If you serve, quote unquote, God, but if it's for the motivation other than love for Christ, that's idolatry. In Mark chapter 14, Jesus, there's a story in the Bible about this. You know, in Mark chapter 14, when Jesus was being honored by a woman by pouring expensive oil on his feet, one of the disciples says, this is such a waste. Why is this woman wasting this precious ointment and just pour it on the feet of Jesus? Certainly we could have taken that oil, sell it, and give the money to the poor. Isn't that what Jesus said? You can read it for yourself. It's in the Bible. Mark chapter 14. And you know what? Jesus started rebuking somebody. And he started saying, leave her alone. He said, the poor you will always have. But you will not always have me. He was saying to his disciples, this woman was preparing me for my departure. Now, Jesus wasn't knocking the fact that you can sell something and give to the poor. That wasn't the point. The point here is the priority of worship. The priority of Christ. You can help the poor. But if you don't do it for the sake of Jesus, if Jesus is not the priority, it tantamounts to idolatry. And we know this to be true because one day, the Bible says, one day... On judgment day, there will be people coming before Jesus. And Jesus will say to them, your name's not here. What are you doing? Oh, the people will say, well, Jesus, didn't we do great things in your name? Didn't we do all of these wonderful things in your name? And Jesus says, depart from me. I never knew you. I was hungry. You didn't give me food. I was thirsty. You didn't give me anything to drink. I was naked you didn't clothe me. What's the point Jesus was making over there? It's it's not the fact that we're doing great things for the poor and we ought to be doing that. We do that in our church. But our priority is to exalt the name of Jesus to do it in his name. Clearly, without compromise. That's what counts. That's what sacred servanthood is all about. Jesus says, depart from me, I never knew you. What's what's wrong with what they did? They, They helped the poor. Yeah, they did serve, but it was unholy serving. Doing it not in the name of Jesus. Doing it in their own name. Doing it for the sake of doing good. For the sake of the applause of the world. Many of us, perhaps many of you this morning, you're thinking, I'm a good person. I do a lot of things. I've given a lot to charity. I've given a lot to great causes. There's no way I'm not saved. There's no way I'm going to die and miss heaven. No. Jesus says, unless you are born again, all you do counts for nothing. Because Jesus is not the motivation of that deed. It's nothing more than unholy service. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 16, Peter writes this. He says, live as free people. But do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves now i know the context of that has to do with exercising our freedom to to live you know to enjoy things in life or to to do things that are not really sinful but are not but the neutral things is the context of that but i pointed it out that peter says we need to live as slaves of god meaning yes we're free but we're bound to do the things that only glorifies god that's part of Christian service. And as a church, as individual members of the church, we ought to do that. There's a third distinctive of Christian servanthood that I want to lay in our hearts this morning. And that is Christian service is associated with hardships. And I know a place gets quiet after that. Look at verse 28, second part of verse 28. Jesus says, not so with you. The Gentiles lorded over their people, but not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Verse 27, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Serving Christ entails hardships. It's part of the sacredness of service. Jesus himself, the Bible says, was acquainted with grief and full of sorrow. He endured the cross as a ransom payment for sinful humanity. Jesus has to suffer because he has. He had to serve. Now, it's the body of Christ. Christian fellowship, listen up, involves suffering. Suffering it's going to cost us to follow and serve Jesus just as it cost Jesus to save us. But that's what makes serving a sacred duty of all believers. Can't escape that. First Peter 4, 16. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. This is, this is, these are the hard teachings of scriptures when it comes to serving, to, when it comes to being a Christian. Years ago, we were on vacation, a family vacation in, um, yeah, in uh, Kauai. And uh, I don't know if you've been there. I think it's the most beautiful, you know, it's, it's the kind of place where you've been there once. You're always thinking, I wish I was rich. I'd live here. But since I, I wasn't rich, I'm just thinking at the time, right? But anyway, I mean, the beach was beautiful. It was a beautiful place. And so I was getting ready to get my tan. As you know, I'm pale white. I was, as I was getting ready to swim, as I was getting ready to enjoy this, this old man with a bunch of bags and brooms and things came up to us and said, will you, will you help me pick up the garbage that people left on the beach? Would you guys just go all over a huge beach? And as far as you can, just pick up the trash. We put it in the garbage. And then once you're done, just put it on that bin and all of that. And I'm saying to myself, I'm here to swim and get a tan. I'm not here to pick up garbage that people leave behind. I'm not here to do that. I'm here to enjoy myself. I'm here to, to, to wallow in the water, to, to enjoy the sun. I'm, I'm here for that. And then have my um, non-alcoholic beverage. <sighs> I'm a pastor. I'm here to enjoy. Why is this man asking me to pick up the garbage that other people left? Obviously, people don't care. People just ignore him. Some of the people just ignored him, just go. But you know what? My, my kids and I, you know, because we're perfect people, by the way. There's nothing wrong with it. That, that man was so nice, you know, you just couldn't say no. So we did it. Right there in the most beautiful place you could ever be in the world, we're picking up people's garbage. Throw them away. That's a picture. I mean, it's a lousy illustration. Trust me, it is a bad illustration. But that's a picture of Christian servanthood. There's a lot of messy people out there. And we need to carry the garbage with humility. Oh, pastors, shouldn't they go? You know what? Don't expect pagans to pray. Pagans don't pray, pagans don't listen. We need to understand that. And when we serve them, we need to understand that we are standing up for what we know the teaching of Jesus is. We do it in humility. Listen to me. God will never drag anybody to heaven against their will. He will never do that. The witness of the gospel is to show people that God loves you that there's garbage in your life. Jesus said, what does it earn a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? These are the tenets of the gospel. Before I came to know Jesus, the good things that I thought I was doing, the Bible says, they're garbage. This is the Bible. Paul says, Everything that I have accomplished for the glory of God, I consider dumb compared to knowing Jesus. Now we serve the Lord with humility. We speak the truth to people because we know full well for ourselves that without that, without the knowledge of truth, they will never be set free. The picture of servanthood. In Christianity, is a picture of suffering. You know, we got to suffer for what we stand for. Being here this morning cost you something, amen? Many people anticipated that it's going to be raining hard. So, do well, I stay in bed. I almost did it except I'm the pastor. I have to be here. That's a picture of what Christian servanthood looks like. There's suffering involved. But we share the suffering because we share the love of Jesus for the world. Just as we share the love of that man for the beach, we share the love of God to people. 2 Timothy 1.8, Paul writes, So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me. His prisoner. Rather join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. There's a final distinction of sacred servanthood, and that is your servanthood and mine will be acknowledged in heaven. It will be acknowledged in heaven. Ultimately, serving Jesus will be rewarded. In heaven. Romans 8.36. Now if we are children. Then we are heirs. Heirs of God. And co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings. In order that we may also share in his glory. May I say something to you. Without you getting mad at me this morning. Please don't get all upset. If you are a Christian. And heaven is not in your mind. You are probably not serving Jesus accurately. Because anyone who truly serves Christ, any church who truly serves Christ gets excited for heaven. Not for the rewards that God will give us here on earth, but for the reward that awaits us in heaven. How many of you, you, you've been you've been serving the Lord the best way you can, you've been faithful. It seems like your faithfulness has not been recognized. It seems like you're unrewarded here on earth. It seems like you, you never get the financial breakthrough that you were expecting from God. Because some of these bogus preachers have, have assured you that if you just live by faith, God will prosper you and all of that. That's, that's all of that stuff's not true. It's a misunderstanding of what Jesus taught and preached. Now God blesses us enough so that we won't miss heaven. How many of you know that? We will be blessed just enough so that we will not turn away our eyes from heaven. Because if God blesses us so much here on earth, guess what happens? Because of our fallen nature, we will look into that earthly blessing. Do you know that the only blessing, the only reward that Jesus promised we could have here on earth is that the fact of heaven. That I will go there, Jesus said, to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you there, I will come again and I will receive you to myself that where I am, you will be there also. Don't worry, in my Father's house are many mansions. That's what I'm looking forward to. If God blesses you here on earth, please, 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 please. Don't get too attached to your success. Don't get too attached To your income. Don't get too attached. To your good looks. Trust me. Photographs are cruel. Don't look. At your photos from the 70's. Or the 80's. Whatever old you are. Don't look at your pictures from 5 years ago. They're cruel. You have more hair. You have less wrinkles. Right now, you have more fat than money. Heaven. Heaven's got to be in our mind. We've been accused of being so heavenly minded we're not earthly good. No, we carry it as a badge. Because the reward that awaits us in heaven far outweighs anything that we could ever enjoy right here on earth. The only reward that God promises that we can have is the reward of heaven. Today you will be with me in paradise, he says to the thief on the cross. Life after death is our destination. It's a far, far better life. Than the one that you have here. Jesus says, Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy. The point is, it's the hereafter that matters, not the here and now. How do we lay up treasures in heaven? Two words sacred. Service. You've been listening
1: to Living on the Rock Radio with Pastor Israel Labson, a ministry of Living Rock Christian Church in Sunnyvale, California. If you have been helped by this radio program and would like to keep it on the air, your continued prayerful and financial support is greatly appreciated. Please visit livingontherockradio.com where all your tax-deductible gifts will go directly to the radio ministry. That's livingontherockradio.com Living Rock is a church that doesn't care how you are dressed or what candidate you voted for. A church made up of imperfect people from all walks of life with a hunger and thirst to understand God's plan for our lives. No matter what you've been through or what questions you may have about God and faith, You will find love, grace, and hope at Living Rock Christian Church, 675 East Taylor Avenue in Sunnyvale with Sunday worship starting at 1030 a.m. More information at livingontherockradio.com.